Hey, welcome to the Straight Sports Podcast. We're your hosts, Joshua and Tushar. In this podcast, we give our opinion on our favorite sports, which are basketball, soccer, and wrestling. Before we dive into the topic of today, you know, we're going to have a special guest today. I'm really excited about it. It's our first special guest yep. on our podcast episode. He will come in the middle of the episode. When we get into wrestling, he will be a part of it. But today, we won't be talking about soccer, unfortunately. We have so much to cover, but we will get back to soccer next week. So we will just start off with basketball and then go into wrestling and our special guest, which I'm super excited when he comes. Don't want to spoil it yet, but I'm super excited. So let's dive into the topics. Topic number one, the defending champions, the Milwaukee Bucks, dominated the Nets in a victory, 127 to 104. Giannis led the way with 32 points. KD led the way with 31 points for the Nets. So what's your reaction to this? Honestly, I I was kind of surprised. Like I said before in the fridge episode, where we talked about the teams grading them 8th through F, I thought that the Bucks got worse. But this might be showing something different because in the playoffs last year, the Bucks took the Nets to seven. And they were injured, and I believe everybody yeah, agrees that they were injured, if the Nets yeah. were healthy, they would have got swept. And today, like we'll talk about in a later question, Kyrie was not there. And I thought the Nets played well. They just got outplayed. Like Patty Mills... Seven oh, for Patty seven for Mills three, was game. seven for seven. He didn't miss big a game. shot in the. But I just felt like I don't know. Everything was going in the in the Bucks' favor. Like everyone was pulling their weight. They didn't seem to miss PJ Tucker at all. Even though I thought he would be a big, you know, a big hole in their team. But Grayson Allen's been a great fit from Milwaukee. Great pickup. I actually like him. I, I think he's a solid player. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised. Like I, I can't even point out what I think went wrong. I think they just got outplayed, and maybe on, on another day the Nets will. A win, but I just felt like they got outclassed today in that game by Milwaukee. Yeah, so when I was watching the game, right, um, this is interesting, right, because I'm watching the game. The Bucks get their ring ceremony. Adam Silver is there. Yeah. So you think, oh, you know, the glory, you know, the championship glory is like, oh, you know, we're the champions and you don't really like, you're not too focused. You're just like yeah, yeah. still picturing but the bucks is a different team. Yeah, they they literally in. said, oh, we won the title. I'm um, not. Nah, that's last year. We won it again. They're yeah. showing that they're hungry. To me, I think I'm seeing even a better Giannis, which is scary. We'll get into that a little later. But yeah. um, Giannis was phenomenal. He looks unguardable. He looks even better than the the previous year. Chris Middleton was great. And then even though Drew Holiday actually didn't play, uh, he he got hurt. So he missed, I yeah. believe, the whole second half. Their bench is actually really good. I thought their bench also got worse. But the way their bench played, it felt like... yeah. Their, their bench looks fine. Grayson Allen's been phenomenal for them. I mean, Bobby Portis hasn't even played yet. Like, they played guys that we don't really know of. Like, his last name was N-W-O-R-A, I believe. I think it's Norway, and he played great, too. Like, every person Solid that stepped mix. on the floor was playing great, but it was shocking. I thought the Nets were going to win. I, I still believe the Nets can win without Kyrie, but the fact that the Bucks didn't just win, they destroyed the Nets, even though KD yeah. played great. Patty Mills was phenomenal. I mean, that was just beautiful basketball. James Harden didn't play to his level. He still played great enough. I thought they played well enough to win, but the Bucks, they look scary. I mean, it's just the yeah. first game. No no overreactions. You know, just one game, but True. the Bucks look scary. Giannis also, in the preseason and the regular season, has been showing this shooting ability. Is this putting the league on notice? I wouldn't say he's putting it on notice because I did see that he was pretty confident taking him. Like, I saw him pull up for one, like, just strolling up the court and pull up one, which I do like him taking, though. This shows his confidence. Yeah, I think the one in preseason, he, I think a game against Utah, he took so many jump shots. I just and want then, to see him hit it more consistently because you can take as much as you want. That shows you're confident. But until they start dropping on a consistent rate, teams aren't going to respect you. Like, I feel like he's still going to be left open a bit. But 
I feel like it's a step in the right direction, like the step that Ben Simmons never took. Hate yeah. to bring Ben Simmons up, but yeah. That person doesn't even belong to be talked about <laughs> on the podcast, but it's a good comparison because if Ben can do that, he can be special too. Yeah. You know, no harsh feelings on Ben, but we both know how I feel about Ben right now, especially everything that's happening right now. But to get back onto the topic, um, Giannis in the preseason shot crazy. Everybody was looking. I was like, yo, Giannis is making these threes. Yeah. I think it was against the Utah Jazz, right? Like I was saying before, I believe. Um, And he wasn't missing. If Giannis shoots like that, that's the difference of the Bucks repeating. They can legit knock out the Nets, mm. even with Kyrie. Really? You give me this Giannis, the one who can make shots consistently, because yeah. he was doing that in the preseason. We'll see if he can continue this up. But if he can consistently make jump shots, I'm telling you right now. I'm not saying they would beat the Nets with Kyrie. Without Kyrie, they definitely can, right? But with Kyrie, they have a shot because this Giannis, because I also I feel like the Bucks, honestly, why I feel like they've been playing better. I know it's only one game. It's because that chip is off their shoulder. They won yeah, the title. Yeah. The pressure's off. They're playing with house money. They still want to win another one, but the pressure's over. It's like, man, we didn't get one. Like there's certain teams that have pressure. The Clippers have pressure. Um Teams that haven't won it who have to win it. Sixers have pressure. You know, there's certain teams that need to win a title. There's a lot of pressure. The Bucks have ended the pressure. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I feel like personally, the Bucks can really be legit. If Giannis can shoot like that with, you know, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, they have a real shot. I mean, I without Kyrie, they definitely could beat the Nets. But if Giannis shoots like this, you can you can put him in the discussion as the best player in the world. Mm. He's basically a shot away from being dominant. He already is dominant, but that's true. But that jump shot adds it's he's gonna be on guard of it because you can't leave him open and then you can't let him in the basket. It's like, which one do I choose? Oh, he's gonna cook me either way. So it's like but they will probably still give him the jump shot. It's like LeBron. They still gonna give him the jump shot. Yeah. But if Giannis can make that jump shot consistently, where we could see that, you know, with LeBron in twenty eighteen he's making jump shots and they couldn't guard him. If he's like yeah. that with his elite dunking ability and getting to the basket so easily we can really talk about him being number one. I mean, some people have him number one, but I have I still have KD number one, but he can arguably be number one. If they repeat, I mean, we're going to have to talk about Giannis in a whole different statement. But if Giannis shoots like that, the league needs to watch out. He He's a special talent. Yeah. So if Kyrie was there, do you think the Nets would win? I'd say yes, because I feel like he'd add, like, what, an extra 20 points, but that's just being, like, in a hypothetical scenario. So I'm not really sure. The Bucks did have, like, a lot of great, great bench contributions. So I feel like would be tough but i'd say Kyrie could take them over the edge even though it was a 20 plus point loss i just feel like and with drew holiday also going out i feel like Kyrie could have like caused some more matchup problems and maybe done some more to like aid to the to the win that they should have got i mean i thought that they were gonna win but it's unpredictable you know who knows i'm gonna respectfully disagree i don't think if Kyrie was there would have made a difference i still think they lose by 10 to 15 i think the bucks were really? just dominant because i think what Kyrie brings offensively he'll bring that right? Like that offensive firepower. Yeah. But defensively, I mean, Giannis is still going to cook him. Like, meaning whoever he's matched on, he's not considered an elite defender. But yes, his That's ball true. handling. I think he drops at least like 24. He definitely does. And it's probably the game is closer, but I personally feel like the Bucks, the way they played, I still think the Bucks would win, but it'd be a little closer. I say the Bucks win by 10 to 15. I say they would yeah. win. It doesn't mean that if Kyrie's there in a whole series, I still lean towards the Nets. But in a one game, that was a Bucks game. They came out to play. They really wanted to. They didn't get into the glitz and glory of their championship ring. They just came out and be like, we did it. I think Chris Middleton said it before the game. He was like, like let's pretend like it, it never happened. I think he said something like that, which is so crazy for him to say. I mean, this is such yeah. a glorious moment in, in Milwaukee Bucks franchise. 
this notion now all the time is going to be talked about. If Kyrie was there, would they win? If Kyrie was there, would they win? It's going to be, and it's going to, I think it could get irritating for the Nets, definitely for Harden and Katie for the whole Nets squad. And like I said, Kyrie made a personal choice. No problems with that. But it's obviously that the media is going to keep asking those questions. So it's going to be interesting. But that question is going to keep being asked every time the Nets play a big team like the Lakers or, you know, any title contender. So it's going to be interesting. But I do believe without Kyrie still, the Nets are still in a good position to win. They have Katie, the best player in the world. They got yeah. James Harden. He's top five when healthy. Patty Mills looks elite. They got Blake Griffin. They yeah, got LaMarcus, sure. Paul Millsap, Nick Claxton. Bruce Brown didn't play. They still have to get the rotations right. So it's going to be interesting. But it's just one game. It's a small sample size, but the Bucks look scary. So let's move on to topic number two. The Golden State Warriors and the Lakers clashed on opening night on October 19, 2021. The Golden State Warriors, with the huge upset, beat the Lakers 121-114. to Curry had a triple-double, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And he got a lot of help. Jordan Poole, Bielitsa, yeah. Iguodala. What's your reaction to this? Honestly, I'm surprised. I, I had the Lakers winning this pretty comfortably, but same. You know, like I said before, it's it's unpredictable. You never know. Curry didn't shoot well at all. That's what surprised me more. Yeah, you know, Curry didn't even like like he, he had a triple horrible. double, but he didn't play yeah. to Curry. Curry level is I'm dropping forty on you. I agree. He he went five for twenty one, two for eight from three. Not great. I believe he even said after the game he played horrible, which I, which I'm not surprised he said that because. It's true. He did get a triple-double, which that helps. He does create a lot of attention. That's yeah. what Curry does. But as Curry knows, and we all know, that's not his standard. He yeah. set the bar so high. Poole was solid. Bielitsa was solid. Poole looks Iguodala like MI, solid. a most improved player yeah, candidate. Yeah, great. But let's not talk about the Warriors and not and not mention the shocker of a game by Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Four for 13 from the field. Zero for four from three. A, tr- a triple-single. And there were some concerns in preseason. People were saying it's just one game. It's just two games. And now it's the regular season. So what can you say now? You know, I feel like this is who he is. I don't think he's going to change much because he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much as he, he did in on those other teams. He's not going to be the focal point of the offense. So can he contribute solid minutes? Can he put up decent numbers and just help this team win? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. But besides that, I thought the Lakers lost this one. And it's crazy because both LeBron and AD had 30 plus. So really, like, what more do you want them to do? You know, like the team played good. They just got outplayed. My reaction to this is this is shocking that the Lakers lost. Um, LeBron and AD both had over 30 plus. LeBron looks like the same LeBron, but he was taking a lot of jump shots. So it was an interesting approach. He wasn't even actually even attacking the basket. He was being passive. Uh, yeah, he was being like he was taking a lot of jump shots, but he was he was making them. And if LeBron makes jump shots like that and attacking the basket, I mean, we talking about him being the best player in the world is a uh, but, uh, and AD was dominant. Um, I know they were missing some players as well, but still, I mean, Golden State is missing Klay Thompson. Yeah. James Wiseman hasn't played. I believe Moses Moody did play. I think Jonathan Kamingma did not play, if I'm correct. Yeah, I don't think Jonathan Kamingma played, just confirming that. But meaning Golden State Warriors missing a lot of talent of like a big, like a lot of their their team. But what I've seen from them is that this is a big win for Golden State. I think this is a big win. Why? To just have Curry. You know, last year we saw only with Curry, Curry had to have a big-time game for them to win. For them yeah. to win without Curry having, like, a solid game is pretty impressive, which shows Jordan Poole has improved, and you can argue he can be a most improved player, candidate, if he plays like this. He was dominating the preseason, yeah, and he's continuing it. Uh, Damian Lee is, is a really good 
off the bench play than Bialica. This pickup was underrated. I mean, he can light it up. Draymond Green, you know what what his role is and and what he can do. And then Andrew Wiggins is a is a great fit with this crew. And then you add Clay back and Wiseman and Kamingma. Oh my goodness, this team is gonna be real scary. But I like it. This just shows their team is getting better. It's not just Curry. There's other help, and if if it's just about consistency. But for the Lakers, it's one game. I think it's a small sample size, but it's shocking that LeBron and AD were so dominant, and they still lost. And Curry didn't play their his best game. A little concerning, but it's a small sample size. So LeBron had 33 points, and AD had 34 points. First time they both lost when they scored over 30. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, like I said before, it was pretty surprising because they both played very well. Yeah, they were efficient. They did what they had to do. The rest of the team just couldn't follow suit. And I feel like some of the blame has to go to Frank Vogel because some of these rotations were horrendous. Like I was seeing Rondo on the court with Westbrook at the same time. That's confusing. I would agree too. I mean, you can try it out, but they probably shouldn't play together, knowing Never. because of the, the shooting yeah. thing, right? Like they're both phenomenal players, but it's about like what's their strengths and their both weakness is the three ball. And if you put them together, that's going to limit the floor. Also, it's possible yeah. LeBron wasn't able to get to the basket because of the spacing. Yeah. I mean, he had DeAndre Jordan starting and AD, who's been taking threes now. Um, Camp Bazemore, he can shoot himself, AD, Russ, and, and Jordan. That has a spacing issue. That gives it trouble for, you know, you to get to the baskets because, you know, when he used to play in Cleveland, Kevin Love's in the corner. Everybody's outside except yeah. Tristan. So it gives you space. So that's a thing to watch. But I believe they never lost when they both scored 30. I believe the record was 8-0, and I believe. Not too mm. sure. So in this case, it's their first loss, which is surprising for them to have both have 30 and they lost because I feel like they both played great. Yeah. So, yeah, so as we were saying, are you shocked that even though the Lakers' two best players played well, but it still wasn't enough against the Warriors who are missing pieces of their team? Yeah, I was surprised, like I said before. Uh, I think it just comes down to the rotations and the way that the Mets were staggered. And Westbrook being on the floor for that long, I think, was around 35 minutes, not really contributing anything. At that point, you're the coach. you got to pull him or at least give him less time or something because I feel like the minutes were wasted in a sense. Like, it wasn't contributing anything to the team. And I feel like that really helped Golden State come back in the game. I think Russ was also being a little passive, and I think it's because I think about adjusting to this big three. I don't think he wants to step over, but Russ had to play like Russ, but... Um, when I did see this, I was shocked because I mean, if you tell me if you if you tell me any day LeBron scores thirty three and eighty scores thirty four and Curry doesn't score above thirty, I would say the Lakers blew the Golden State Warriors out. Yeah, but what happened is Golden State won. I'm still shocked about it. It's like I said, it's a small sample size, but still, I would if you if you show me a box score and I see those numbers, I'm gonna say Lakers blew out the Warriors. But Golden State, I think the reason they won, it, you see improvement. Iguodala, I mean, he didn't get that much time in Miami, but Golden State just his place. It's looking great in Golden State. Yeah. It's rejuvenated in a sense, but a lot of help. Bialita, I like that pickup. Very underrated. Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins. They got a lot of guys who can get into double figures. Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Andrew Wiggins, Bialita, those four were in double figures. And Iguodala, I believe, right? So that's a lot of help. I think if Golden State gets that consistency off that team, that's good. I mean, at least until Klay Thompson gets back. Yeah. Russ struggled in the first game as a Laker. Eight points, four assists, five rebounds. Should the Lakers be concerned? Yes, because this is a trend that's been going on since the preseason. Turning the ball over, not really impacting with his minutes, and really just playing wild like we're used to seeing him doing. I guess it gets covered up like when he plays for worse teams because he always has the ball in his hands, so his numbers get inflated because he has all the ball. He's making decisions for the team, but I feel like when it's out of his hands, is he really that great of an off-ball player? I don't think so. 
can he hit those corner threes? No, I don't think so. So really, what role can he serve? Like, I'm just interested. Maybe dare I say this off the bench? Oh wow, that's a that's a harsh take. I just feel like he 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 doesn't fit this team at all. As I've been saying before, I just want to see how it's gonna work. How LeBron can work his magic to make this work somehow. Turn Westbrook into a sniper or something, but <laughs> I just don't see this working. <laughs> And I might have to adjust my power bracket now that I'm seeing these performances. Oh. It might be reactionary because it is one game, one regular season game, but it has been going on in the preseason. So maybe I should give it some more time, but as for right now, that's my stance on it. So I'm going to say no, this is not concerning because it's only one game. We saw when LeBron was in Miami with the big three, they got out to not the best start. I believe they were under 500. They ended up getting to the finals. I'm not concerned about one game. Now, preseason to reason why having LeBron says for him, Again, I think any other superstar preseason is not really counted, right? A lot of top stars don't really play that much. You see a little bit of it, but you don't see that as much. So I'm not too worried. Yes, it's one game. Now, if we're in the middle of the season and this is continuing, now I'm concerned. But it's one game. I'm not going to be too harsh. I think Russ, that being back home, it means a lot to him. And and maybe he didn't want to overstep, I believe, because I feel like he was passive. The way Russ plays is when he attacks the basket. That's the best for us. And if he's not doing that, then... In a sense, we think like you're on the floor because of that. You know, you have to use your strengths. When he shoots, sometimes it's fine mid-range, but his strength is when he attacks the basket. When he settles for threes, that's not the rust that we know. So in my opinion, it's not concerning. It's one game. But yet, the only thing I was concerned is that LeBron 80 did have great games and Golden State won, but it's one game. I got to see more games. I can't just judge on one game. But yeah, I'm not concerned yet, but. Uh, Russ has got off to a rocky start in LA, but I expect them to change it. I expect LeBron and AD, they'll make it work. And just another quick question I have, like, in every big three, if you consider this a big three, there's always one that sacrifices their stats and their numbers. Do you think Westbrook is willing to do that? Because I did hear that LeBron was going to take a step back and let Westbrook run the offense. So what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so if I think out of those three, I think AD has to be what? the number one guy. Oh, yeah. 80, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let, let me, I'm not going to say AD sacrifice. Let me, let me, uh, you for a second, you thought that yeah, was going to say. Gonna... <laughs> he was like, what? No. no I was saying, what I, meant, uh, what I was saying is AD has to be number one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so basically I was saying, uh, and then I think, I'm going to say, I feel, I think LeBron should sacrifice in a sense. Maybe, I think he mm. should sacrifice a bit, you know, uh, and he did that with Kyrie. But this is tough. Definitely AD should be number one. But between those two, I think Russ could – it depends. Can Right now, it doesn't seem like Russ could be trusted with the ball. He is turning the ball yeah. over a lot. But it's, it's just a start because LeBron's the best when he has the ball in his hands. But Russ is the best when he has the ball in his hands. It's exactly. kind of a similar situation with James and Kyrie. Fit. It's kind of the similar situation, but right? James but, Harden took a back scene. He played point guard setting up. Yeah, club. that's he, true. He can do I, think that. I think the difference is that James and Kyrie are lethal shooters. Yeah, right? exactly. Where Russ, so they can play off ball. Hmm. I'm going to say I think LeBron needs to sacrifice just to get Russ into the system because yeah. LeBron is fine. I mean, at times, I think they should switch it up. LeBron takes the ball down. Russ takes the ball down. But when it comes to clutch time, fourth quarter, I think LeBron needs the ball in his hands. Yeah. But it, this is a, this is a tough question. This is a good question. But I'm, I'm not too sure. But it's definitely between LeBron and Russ, one of them, because AD has to be the number one guy. He's in his prime. Yeah. Honestly, I, I do have to agree. I would give Anthony Davis. Not the key to the offense, but make him the focal point. Because nobody can like, guard him when healthy. Yeah, There's yeah. nobody. I feel like LeBron, like you said, he, he can get. His, I feel like he can get his stats the easiest because he's just that down of a player. I feel like, like he said, that he's going to step back and let Westbrook win the offense. I don't know if that's for the better of the team, but I feel like that's what has to happen to get Westbrook going. Yeah, I think he needs get him adjusted. But I, I, yeah. I do think like 
at times in the game, LeBron needs the ball just because he's LeBron. Like in the fourth quarter, you yeah. know, you can trust him. Russ, I think to get into the system, LeBron's going to do the sacrifice to make him feel comfortable. Yeah, I agree. So it, it's a tough one, but in general, it's between LeBron and Russ. I would say LeBron sacrifice a bit, Russ gets in, but I, I think everybody will sacrifice in a sense. Yeah. I think, like we saw in Brooklyn, James took the most sacrifice. Yeah. So who's going to do that? It, I think Russ is willing to do it. I mean, he came to LA. It's clear he wants to win a title. AD yeah. shouldn't do it at all. He should get the ball every time, basically. It's between LeBron and Russ for sure. But I think if they both sacrifice a bit, you know, switch it up with one bringing up the ball, one another person yeah. bringing up the ball, they switch it up. I think it will work because the one thing between Russ and LeBron that I think James can do, but Kyrie is not known for his passing. He's still a good passer, but what they both can do, they both can pass like really good. Yeah. They're elite passers. So that's one benefit. So if Russ brings it down. He can he can give the LeBron the ball in the post. If LeBron brings it down, mm. he could give Russ the ball in the post because Russ can post. So I think they just got to use their strengths and, and we'll yeah. see what happens. But that, that was a really good question. I agree. I also feel like there was shades of this in this game because like you said, LeBron was taking a lot of threes. He was five for 11. So I feel really? like he was trying to space the floor a bit for Westbrook. Yeah. And he was hitting, knocking down his shots. But but I guess Westbrook just never got into the game. Maybe we need a starting lineup change. I believe they should change the starting lineup. Yeah. I think it should be 80 should play the five. I think it's still Russ, Bazemore. Maybe even put um, Malik Monk in it because he's a sniper. Like somebody yeah. to space the floor a little. If you put 80 at the five, it changes everything. But yes, Jordan and Howard should play. I think Jordan's playing great in his role. But I think maybe you want to start Jordan. That's fine. I've seen this happen. But their best lineup should be a spacing line. If you put Melo, for example, yeah, you have Melo and Malik Monk and Russ and LeBron and AD. That's a pretty good lineup. I mean, I know some of the players wasn't available. They have Trevor, like, they have opportunities for it, but definitely the best way they can space out the floor for LeBron so they all can attack is the, the basket, Russ and LeBron, um, yeah. is if AD plays the five, which I, I believe they will do that. But it's one game, small sample size, but LeBron was shooting a lot of lot of threes. If he could shoot like that, I mean, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, the best LeBron, LeBron, you know, when he attacks, nobody can stop him. So let's move on to the next topic. October 20, 2021, Knicks hosted the Celtics, and we got to see a thriller double overtime. In MSG, Madison Square Garden, the Knicks win 138 to 134. Julius Randle drops 35 points, leads the way for the Knicks. And Jalen Brown, what a game. He dropped 46 yeah. points, leads the way for the Celtics. So what's your reactions to this? I thought it was a great game. And I feel like the question has to be asked because there's so much like positivity and like upbringing around Tatum. But I feel like the question has to be asked, is Jalen Brown better? Because I feel like that was a this, performance for the this maybe this may be reactionary, but I've always felt like Jalen Brown has been a solid defender. I've heard I've heard people say that actually. Yeah, and he's getting better on the offensive end. He's always been solid. And Tatum Tatum had a, had a shocker in this game. He wasn't very inefficient, and he was still taking shots at the end of the game, which I'm I'm not gonna knock him for doing. But you see, Jalen has a high hand. Give it give it to him so he can. Yeah, take I think in. I agree with you. I mean, if Jalen has the high hand, like something that's uh, I think with basketball, you gotta go with who has the high hand. Like it's like. Yeah. If if this player has the hot hand, but then I decide to take the shot, that's bad because he's on he's on fire. You know, like you got to continue with the momentum. So that's interesting. That's a good point you brought up. Yeah, and uh, also with the Knicks, I I thought they played solid. Uh, you know, there were some big scores out there. Fournier with thirty two as well. Uh, RJ Barrett with nineteen, solid. But the one thing that I didn't want to talk about was last season they were the number one defense in the league. They lost Frank Nilekina. And Reggie Bullock, both to the Mavericks, who I thought were two of some of their best defenders. 
and you replace them with not necessarily replace, but you bring in Fournier and you bring in Kemba Walker or those two defensive players. Mm. It, they they add offense, but defensively, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, Reggie Bullock was great for them. So I feel uh, like they might be taking a step back defensively, but I feel like that just comes with improving. You gotta give and take. And honestly, I just I it was a great game to watch. Electric, fun, big game, and I just can't wait to see more games like this. For sure. I mean, this was probably the game of the week. I mean, when you had yeah. Lakers, Golden State, or Bucks and Nets, you didn't think something can top it, but it topped it. I mean, the Bucks and Nets was a blowout, and and Golden State pulled an upset. But this game was a thriller. I mean. I'm watching the game, um, and actually, you know, it was crazy. It was I was about to go to sleep, right? And <laughs> my friend Danny, he called me, so I got to give a shout out to Danny. He told me that I had to give him one a shout out, but I will give it to him because he called me, and I, and I turned on the game. I was like, "Yo, this game is great." I was watching in the beginning, but then I had to sleep early. But then I I had to yeah. stay up. This game was a thriller, and then we was talking on the phone, and he was like, "Yo, what's happening?" He was he he was watching himself. He's like, "Yo, what's happening?" Because we sometimes the TVs be like his is behind or mine is behind. It was like crazy, but. Uh, so thanks, Danny, for uh, for telling me to watch the game. That was a thriller. Um, but we we're watching, and and you see Marcus Smart hits that big shot, and then and then I remember watching in uh, the first overtime. Evan Fournier was lighting it up. Yeah, I think uh, Brad Stevens uh, might be shaking his head out there for uh, letting Fournier go because I heard Fournier had interest in coming back, but yeah, it didn't happen. But my reaction, I was shocked. I would think the Celtics would win because you know I was very high on the Celtics. Right, I put them number four. Right, I'm very high on them. Yeah. But it's one game, but. Let's see more games, but the Knicks are showing if they continue this, they can compete with any team. Like, I feel like, I mean, Julius Randle, you know, the talks about him. Oh, he was a fluke, right? He didn't have the best playoffs to come out and drop 35. I mean, they were losing, you know, for I think by double digits and Julius Randle led the way. And I I heard him say, he was like, yo, give me my beep respect, you know. don't want to say that word, but Wait, who, Julius Randle, like during the Randall? game when he was going yeah, on yeah. his run, he was saying like, give me my respects. He was like, beep respect. So like, um, and I think he's right. I mean, we got obviously playoffs is a different animal, but he looks a lot better. Like he came back even stronger than before. Yeah. But this is a big win for the Knicks. I think I picked Boston to win. I would think they win, but the Knicks winning is very, I wouldn't say it's a little shocking to me. Uh, Julius Randle was great. I mean, RJ Barrett played great. Mitchell Robinson is back. He played great. Yeah. Evan Forney, I mean, this looks like the gem that they picked up. I mean, he mm. can shoot. That's the one thing I like about this Knicks team that I, I, yeah. I we were talking about earlier. I think this adding Evan Forney and Kemba brings offensively better, but defensively, they could take a hit. Yeah. But they have Topman. Derrick Rose is still there. Alex Burke, Emmanuel Quickly, and um, Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson didn't even play. Yeah. And they're a big part of their team. So, but I'm a little concerned with Kemba. He came out with a very bad start. Um, yeah. So that's a little concerning. I mean, he dropped 10 points. He was, I was watching the game and Danny was pretty upset. He was like, Kemba's like the reason he went to OT because he had, he turned the ball over, I heard. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was hearing. So if that's the case, that's concerning. I mean, it's only one game, but I, I'm very high on Kemba. I think he's going to come back. But I thought when he's playing the Celtics, I thought he was going to drop 40. I mean, it's your former team. They basically yeah. said, we don't want you anymore. They traded you to OKC. It should take a hit on your pride. He comes out and has a 10-point performance. That's not yeah. That's a little upsetting, I think, as a fan. But I'm not, you know, I'm not harsh on Kemba. I'm not trying to say anything rude about Kemba, but I'm I'm shocked. You know, I thought he would play better, but it's one game. Let's see how he plays. I think he's gonna be a great fit, but it seems, you know, he didn't wanna he was giving Randall the ball, which he was doing the right thing. Randall's your yeah. guy. But in the end of overtime, second overtime, he wasn't even playing. Like I saw Derek Rose subbed in. So yeah, yeah. we gotta see what happens, but I think Kemba will improve, but that's the only concern with Kemba. But I think he'll get better. Fournier was a gem. I mean, do you think he'll get another 30 like that? I mean, I don't think he would <laughs> think that, but the one thing we know is that Evan Fournier can shoot the ball. You got to respect yeah. this three. 
no disrespect to his points, but we wouldn't expect him to drop 30 every game. Every player has their roles, and his role is to be a sniper. I see him giving you 19 a game. Yeah. RJ Bear looks, you know, he's improving. Mitchell Robinson is back. He had 11 and 17 rebounds. So it's interesting. This was a great game, thriller. Uh, big win for the Knicks. I think it's a good win for them to start off beating Boston, a team that has Tatum and Brown, two superstars. Dennis Schroeder, I mean, Al Horford did not play, I think, due to the COVID uh, situation. He was positive, I believe. Yeah. So hopefully he will recover really soon. But Jalen Brown, he was also positive. He came out of quarantine. He came back. He just put up 46. Yeah. That's big time. I mean, sometimes people say, is Jalen Brown better than Tatum? I mean, that's a discussion people will continue to have. But this dynamic was special. And... um We'll see how it goes, but the Celtics are still a really good team. But this is a big one for the Knicks. I'm going to say this is a really, really big one for the Knicks. It's a great start for them. So excited. This was a thriller. If we get to see a playoff series between Knicks and Boston, that would even be better. Yeah. Before we get into our special guest, this is a surprise topic I want to talk to you about, Josh. All right. You were talking about it earlier. Ben Simmons. I thought right. to bring it up, we, we heard, I think it was Woj tweeting, he got suspended for the game against New Orleans. Yeah. Right, And I heard it was because Doc told him in practice, hey, do this defensive drill. He refused. I think he asked again. He refused. And Doc said, like, basically, go home. And then from there, it got bad. And I also heard Embiid saying that I'm not his babysitter. I don't really care about it anymore. I'm kind of paraphrasing. Not not sure exactly what he said, yeah. but in the lines of that. So with all that drama going to Philly, I mean, he came up and a lot of people saw he was disinterested. He even, like, at the end when they, you know, like, they get together and then they, like. In the, in the huddle? Yeah, in the huddle. And. And he didn't even, he wasn't even part of it. He kind of just left. So yeah. we're seeing the body language. Um, so what are your reactions on this? Like, seriously, this is a, um, unfortunately, we are giving Ben Simmons some time on this episode. But <laughs> what's your thoughts on it? Because it's going crazy in Philly. Honestly, uh, I feel like it's embarrassing for Ben. I feel like he's embarrassing himself. I've seen pictures. He's in practice. He's on his phone. He's dribbling the ball, disinterested, not even paying attention. He's he's doing he, these he drills. He pulled like, up. So, he, did, he didn't pull up to like his yeah. his jersey. He pulled up in like yeah. like I his think shorts like a training and, and a sweater. But I'm not knock out train, but he looked disinterested. I seen the videos of him doing a defensive drill. He's not even putting no effort into it. He doesn't care. And I feel like he wants to leave. And this again is like just putting more on top of the pile. Like you're making yourself look bad, man. We know the only reason why you came back is for the money, but at least put in a show and make it seem like you are at least interested in practicing training with teammates. Like, do something because th this is a bad look. It's a bad look. And, and I don't know what else to say. And I also heard he had some quote-unquote back tightness, so he couldn't practice, like, today, I guess. But I'm not going to say he's faking an injury. I don't know. I would never say that. But I just feel like he's just coming up with these things and, like, everything's happening. So he just – I feel like he just wants to leave as soon as possible and he'll do anything to get out. Including making I think he's afraid to play. I'm not saying, you know, so I wouldn't claim that he's, I would never say anybody's faking an injury, but I yeah, think yeah. there's a fear of him going back to Philly. I agree. Because I feel like if he steps, if he <laughs> steps foot back in that Philly building, he's going to get booed out be the booing building. all 48 minutes of the game. Bro. I mean, I would do the same thing. Anytime if he touches a ball, booing, who knows? Like, I don't know what will happen in that arena, man. I don't know. It could get pretty hectic. I mean, like, obviously, you don't want fans to, you know, to cross the line, never, right? We've yeah. seen it with LeBron when he went back to Cleveland. When he was in Miami and they had to, like, I heard it was, like, really bad, a lot of security. So we hope it's not in that situation. But if he goes back, he's going to get booed really yeah. bad. And as expected, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't cheer for him. I mean, hey, thanks for, you know, giving me an eight-point performance in a game seven. I think hmm. that's what he scored. Not too sure. But it's interesting. In my case, when I heard this news, I mean, it just it's just disappointing. I mean. Look, it's clear you want to be traded. You clearly came back for the money. Apparently, what I heard is that, oh, I don't, I don't, 
I'm willing to stay out the whole year. He was acting, you know, like, yeah. I'm going to stay out. The, oh, yeah, I don't need the money. Once he lost the money, he, he came basically crying back. Yeah. And it's clear he just came back for the money. He don't want to lose it. Maybe he didn't think Philly was going to actually do it, and they did it. And I respect Philly for doing that. Don't pay him. If you don't show up. I agree. And I think the fact that he came to practice, even though he came, I don't think he should get paid. Mm. If you're not going to do your job, why you should get paid? He got suspended for a game. Don't pay him for that. Yeah. You do not pay him until he comes. 100%. He puts in 100%. Harden did the same thing. And I don't think Harden did it the right way, but he came to training. He played, yeah. but then he eventually got game, he, yeah. he He did it really bad. I don't respect the way Harden did it. I don't like it. But then the Harden has accolades. Ben Simmons is a superstar with no accolades, basically. True. Trying to I mean, get his way out. Harden has yeah. accolades. So there's a big difference. But I'm not trying to disrespect. I still don't like the way Harden did it. But Harden had the leverage. But I feel like Philly has the leverage. I mean, at the end of the day, they are... You're under a four-year contract. A lot of teams don't want to pull the trigger for you. And I think in the best interest, Ben Simmons plays. He plays great. He increases his trade value. It's clear both teams probably want to end this. They don't want him. He don't want to be there. If you play, increase your trade value. He could get traded as soon as possible. Yeah. Because there are teams still interested in him, but Philly wants the best package. And Philly has, and I respect their mind. I think Philly keep waiting. Don't buy into it, even though he comes and tries to ruin your culture. Don't trade him on his terms trade it on their terms they have the leverage and, they, and a lot of times you see superstars get their way we've seen it with Kawhi we've seen it with James Harden we've seen it with Kyrie we've seen it with many superstars they get their way and and also it's because they are superstars right but Ben Simmons is I mean we can both agree he's not a superstar yet yeah there's a difference and he's under a four-year contract that's a big difference that's a lot of money the leverage is in Philly's hands we're gonna see how it plays out but it's clear it's not gonna end good but I don't see him being traded until, like, it's possible. I think he gets traded before the trade deadline, but I don't see him being traded in the next few months. I just don't see. I think Daryl Morey knows what he's doing. He's willing to make it uncomfortable, and that's what he's willing to do. Yeah. They're going to have to fold because there's no team that's giving them the offer that they want. That's true. They might end up falling. Hopefully they don't, but I think for them the best bet, I really like the Portland if they can get CJ. I think that's the best bet. I know they want to wait for Dame, but I've heard Dame making it clear that he's not going to leave, like, right away. He's going to yeah. try to make it work. Um, Harden, I was hearing this rumor about Harden going to Philly, but then Harden kind of cleared it up. He said, you know, even though he didn't sign the extension, he wants to be in Brooklyn. Bradley Beal, there's no indication that he's leaving, right? I mean, those two guys was Damon Beal. If they're not leaving, CJ's your best bet. I like the addition of CJ and Bede and, and Tobias Harris. CJ will bring spacing. I think CJ is the way to go, but we'll see what happens. It's clear they want, they want the stars, but, I mean, you could argue if I'm Portland, I'm trading you Dame for Ben. I mean, I don't know if I do it right now. I think it's about mm-hmm. Ben increasing his trade value. But it's clear he's not willing to. He wants to be out. Her Sham say that he he's clear he's just trying to get his way out of Philly. It's not working. I mean, you're just going to keep losing. But if I'm, he doesn't deserve to get paid if he's going to show up to practice and not participate. Can't just show up. I mean, I think he had a phone in his pocket. I'm not too sure. But yeah, it's, crazy. It's, it's a crazy incident in Philly. We'll see what happens. I hope um, this gets situated well because this is just a bad look right now for the league. And, and Simmons is just, I don't know what he thinks. He's acting like, I'm number one. Give me what I want. At the end of the day, he's on the bottom. He's not number one. He's a bum. And that's the facts. <laughs> he, he has potential. We we both said it clearly. But right now, he's acting yeah. very childish. And I don't like the way he's acting. It's getting it's, it's getting ridiculous at this point. I don't know whether we're going to see more news tomorrow. Ben Simmons did this. We're going to see it. Yeah, who knows? So we'll be right back and we'll bring in our special guest. Yep. So we are back. With our special guest, he is the wrestling expert, the wrestling aficionado, 
the wrestling goat. He knows all wrestling, WWE, AEW, Impact, MPJW, the list goes on. Is my guy, our guy, me and Joshua's good friend, my boy Fernando. What's up, bro? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. Of I, love the, I love the intro, bro. It was great. <laughs> of course, bro. No, no worries. We're super excited to have you, our first special guest. It's a big step for our podcast, you know, yep. for, for have a special guest, and we hope more to come. But let's get right into it, Joshua. Start with the topics. All right. So topic four, PWI releases their results for the top 500 men's wrestlers of 2021. Here is the top five. Kenny Omega, one. Roman Reigns, two. Bobby Lashley, three. Four, Drew McIntyre. And five, Kota Ibushi. Do you agree with the list? If not, what's your top five? All right, so Fernando, I'll go first on this one. So I'm going to be honest. I do not agree with this list. I think, um, I believe Roman is number one. And I think that's the idea of like how we define a wrestler. In my opinion, when I define the best wrestler in the world, I look at PWI, they do it on the current run. So according to the current run, they are evaluating from the July 1st, 2020 to the end of June, 2021. Roman Reigns came back in August. Since he's came back in August, he's been dominant. And I think he's been on an elite reign. He's made the championship even more relevant. And I think when we define a wrestler, to me, when I think of a wrestler, I think about their current work right now, what they're doing in the ring, their promo skills, like their mic skills. That's how I define a wrestler. So how you define a wrestler, Fernando? I would say that... Um... So I think I agree with the list besides Bobby Lashley, like who's on the list in the top five. But when, um, when I'm looking at a wrestler, like I only really consider the technical aspect of the wrestler and their in-ring work. And that's really what I only think of. But I think like, um, as you said, like you really have to consider everything. And actually, I also have here, like I was checking through what they consider. And PWI says they consider in-ring achievement, influence, technical ability, competition, and activity, mm. as in, mm. like, how much are they wrestling? Like, how many times a year? That's an interesting point. I think if I would make my own top five, I think I would have Roman number one, Omega two. I think i keep True McIntyre three. I think because of the run he had, you know, he's been champion till February, I believe, of 2021, right? So it makes sense. He's been super dominant. I think it needs to be appreciated. And then... I can't speak on who's put number five. You have more knowledge about the Japanese wrestler. But Bobby Lashley probably put somebody else there. Who would you put? What would be your top five? You know, I think I agree with it mostly. So, like, I would just replace Bobby Lashley at three. And maybe, like, really anyone could go there. It's, like, actually a really tough spot. Like, Moxley, um, Osprey. Like, these are the wrestlers who were, like, um, below five. Like, these are all great wrestlers. Like, yeah. either of them could be in the three. So, like, it's hard to choose who I would put in there, to yeah, be very I'd, honest. I'd probably put Reigns, Omega. I think i put Drew McIntyre, Moxley, and the Japanese wrestler. Because I can't speak too much about it, but you were telling me earlier how Japanese wrestling is really good. But I can't speak on it too much. Yeah, I would say he's super talented. Actually, uh, today, Ibushi just wrestled in the G1 Climax Final. And I won't say the outcome of that, but, you know, it was an interesting match for New Japan, to say the least. And to speak, like, on the Kenny versus Roman, one and two, I think, like, it's it's such a good, like, toss-up. Like, either of them could be one or two. And, like, each day, I might just have a different opinion. I would just say, like, Kenny had four titles. In the time span they were considering, like, he was the AW um, tag team champion. And then he ends up losing the title. 
but then he becomes the um, AW World Heavyweight Champion, and he also was the AAA World Heavyweight Champion and the Impact World Champion. So he had influence in four companies. So I can definitely see like the argument for Omega, but Omega also is only wrestling like thirty six matches a year, and Reigns probably wrestles like thirty six matches in like two months, like minimum. So definitely, since he's came back, he's been he's been wrestling a lot. He's not, you know, he's showed up to every pay per view. He sometimes even wrestles on SmackDown. I mean. Because they're only considering, I think, till latest. What was the last day they're considering? They're only considering till the end of June 2021, which means we're not talking about him beating Cena because that was in August, right? So True. they're only considering that. he. Be, I mean, let's look at the matches before that. He's He beat Kevin Owens. He beat his, a great storytelling with Jey Uso. He even beat uh, Daniel Bryan um, at that time. That was a really good match. I mean, he had a WrestleMania match. It was him and Edge and, and Daniel Bryan. He, he pinned both of them. He stacked them up. So it's like, it's a tough, I think the idea is that Kenny Omega won a lot of titles. He won like, he was holding like six right at a time. So at that time, it's like, okay, you can understand he's holding so many titles. He's the belt collector. That was the name, right? That was given. But I feel like the WWE, if they wanted to, they could do the same thing with Roman. They can give the Intercontinental Champion, they can give the US. I think, I think when we're comparing this, I don't think we should include those accolades that he won because we're talking about the company AEW versus WWE. But if you want to conclude it in the argument, I can't be mad if people put Kenny Omega one. But I'm going to say Roman, I think we're comparing one-on-one titles. I think Roman's heel work, I think his promo skills. If we're talking who's the overall better wrestler, like all times, we're going to go to Kenny, right? We're just talking about currently, I think it's Roman. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, Roman, he beat Owens, Cesaro, Bryan. Um, I know they haven't well, included John Cena, the Demon, and, and obviously Brock yeah. Lesnar today, but we haven't included that. They are only including before that. I think, oh, he beat Edge at the Money in the Bank. but obviously Exactly, has, Edge. But um, I know, obviously, you know, with heels, they tend to not win the right way, right? But Kenny's also have has the same thing, right? Exactly. I would say Kenny has the same issue, too. Because I was going to give one of, like, my original arguments going in, into here was that, like, Roman doesn't win clean. And then, like, realistically, like, Kenny also doesn't win clean. And the way he won the championships wasn't that clean, similar with Roman. So I don't think it's a valid argument for me to say. Both have their own faction. They have the super elites. You know, he has his own manager. I think Paul is better than the manager Kenny has. Paul is more established. But um, it's a tough debate. But I would lean towards Roman, just the fact of his current run. But if we're just talking about overall who's the better wrestler. You got to give it to Kenny. I mean, you were telling me about what he's been doing everywhere he wrestled. So, but currently... It's Roman. It's a tough list. But again, if my top five would probably be Roman, Kenny Omega. Um, I'd give Drew McIntyre three because of the run that he had. He carried the company in the pandemic era, I would say. He was a big part of it. Um, I put Moxley. I think Moxley's always been a great. He's been doing great. And I'd give the last of the Japanese wrestler uh, because I, I, like I said, I can't speak on it too much. Since I don't really watch it, I can't speak on it. It's too hard for me to judge on it. Yep. And yeah, it's the finish up. I would say I agree with the list that PWI put out for the top five besides Bobby Lashley and as you said Moxley could go in there and really anybody else like yeah. that was like below Bobby five. Lashley also had a great run but if we're considering Bobby Lashley's run kind of started in 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 2021 right like in the in February right yep and then it continued on but this one is a, starting from 2020 which Bobby Lashley wasn't really holding a WWE champion it was Drew Bobby Lashley's still in the top 10 but he's, I don't think he's in the top five exactly all right so Josh next topic okay so Y'all kind of brushed on it a bit, but do you actually agree with Kenny being ranked one and Roman two, or or is that just something? Yeah, yeah. so I think we definitely have, 
brushed on it a bit, but personally me, I don't agree. I think the notion is that Kenny hold many titles and I'm not mad if people put Kenny one. I just believe Roman, the run he's had, the Universal Championship, what they're considering, he's been a lot of legends. He beat Edge, he's beat Hall of Famers, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan, now Bryan Danielson, AW. Um, he's beat Kevin Owens, he's beat Cesaro, a really up-and-coming star. A lot of people are behind um, he's beat Jay Uso matches was great storytelling. Like his, like wrestling to me when like, like when I think about wrestler, it's about story. You know, you want to get the fans engaged, right? It's because AEW and W have a difference. I think WWE is more like you know entertainment. They're, they're telling the story. AEW gives more of a fight, right? WWE does the promos. They go into it. You could you could argue that AEW does more kind of wrestling in the ring, and WWE does a lot more promos. But when I think of a wrestler. To me, it's just, what's your current run? I think about current, because we could talk about the past. But currently, I think about, you know, the promo skills. I think about all of it. Mainly, I just think about the mic skills and the current wrestling skills. That's the two things I think about. And the work you're doing, you know, the run you're having. Yeah, so PWI considers in-ring achievement, influence, technical ability, competition, and activity. And I feel like in these categories, like, Roman and Kenny kind of tie in some of them. I would say technical ability. Like, definitely goes to um, Kenny. In-ring achievement, it's, like, kind of hard because I, I definitely agree. Like, I think Roman's faced a decent amount of competition. Like, even before the ending of, like, the time period is considered. Like, he's always, like, in this reign, he's had good competition. I can't lie. However, um, you know, just having Kenny, like, be part of AW and their partnerships with Impact and AAA. Like, that helps, yeah. That helps a lot. Yeah. So, you're getting real diverse competition, even though... The competition Roman has is on par, in my opinion. So it's like in these categories, they tie a bunch. But I would say like, you know, just getting to have, um, you know, Kenny's wrestling in Mexico one day and then Kenny's wrestling in the U.S. And then another he's wrestling another like city for impact. So it's real interesting that like, you know, almost how worldwide he is. So I think that's why Kenny just like takes the number one spot just, you know, because he's everywhere. He's, he's in all these different wrestling competitions. But like. You know, the reign he has compared with Roman's, they're very on par. Like, it, it could really change. Like, tomorrow, my opinion could change, and I could say it's Roman. And then the day after that, I could say Kenny. So it changes all the time. Well, today, what would you say? Do you think it's Kenny, in your opinion, today? Today? Yeah, if you were going to mm-hmm. say today, who's better, Kenny, or, like, who's number one? Based on how you define a wrestler. Probably Roman, just because, I mean, Kenny only has now the AEW World Championship. And I think he's still the AAA champion. He's not really wrestling much for AAA. Like, he's not going to show up in AAA again until, like, their next big event, which won't be till like, December. So he's going to wrestle, like, two matches, like, for them as their champion, which is, you know, not that, um, you know, good champions defend a lot. And to be there two times a year, like, you know, that's not too nice. So I'd say probably today, Roman. But you never know. Maybe Kenny picks up another title. Maybe he starts getting some new competition. We'll see. So you guys talked about the men's list, but what is each of you guys' top five female superstar list at the moment? So before, I'm going to give Fernando the floor this time. I know you're my special guy. I got to give you the floor first. Uh, <laughs> it's our special guest. But actually, they released the PWI for females. Let me just say the list real quick. So number one is Bianca Blair for WWE. Uh, second one, I don't know how to say the name right. I think it's Utima for starting. Yeah. yeah. Number three is Diana from Impact Wrestling. Number four is Britt Baker. Number five is Thunder Rosie from AEW. And I know we're only doing top five, but I got to include this because I'm pretty upset with this one. Number six is Sasha Banks. So you go first for now. What you think? And what would be your top five? I would say I agree with the list. 
But Bianca at one is a little bit just questionable because I know that um, if I'm correct, I think PWI said they're considering from October to June of this year. So October 2020 to June uh, 2021 of this year for the women's. Yeah, just to confirm. So the numbers that I have, they are running from October 1st, 2020 through September 30, 2021. Okay. And so, I mean, to be honest, like Bianca from like October to like January 2021 wasn't really doing much, but she had a stellar January to um, April. Like her just like WrestleMania season was insane. So I can't deny that. However, like, you know, it's she. I think you should consider the whole thing, right? Like Exactly. She had like three months where like, you know, that October to January, she wasn't doing much. And then actually number two um, with Utami, she actually recently had a 5.5 star match and she's been like, she's a really young champion. She's 23 years old and she's like on a super, I think she's on a year plus reign right now as the stardom champion. So like number two is like undeniable and like I haven't seen enough of her matches, but most people will probably argue she's won. Okay. Number three, another um, good champion right now, Diana uh, Perrazzo. She's like super over with the fans. She's been champion for like a year. She's also champion in Mexico. And this happened after, like, um, she used to wrestle in WWE, and I think she was, like, one of the people that got um, booted because just WWE was firing everyone. Let's not forget, with WWE releasing all this talent, man. Yeah, and and for her to, like, you know, get released and then go on to, you know, have this year-plus reign as Impact Champion, being champion in Mexico, you can't deny that's that's really good. Like, she just, like, she flipped the switch immediately as she left WWE. For sure. and you said, know, we've like, got to definitely take consideration, even though, you know, I understand AWW is more popular, but, you know, these other companies, you know, there's a lot of stars. Yep. And then four and five, I mean, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had a great match in 2020. And Britt Baker is super over, great promos. Thunder Rosa as well, another wrestler who's super over. And, you know, I just hope we're going to see Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa wrestle again because the first time they wrestled was really good. So if they do it again, I'm sure they could do something even better. So where would you put, who would you put number one then? You know, that's a hard question. You know, I haven't seen enough of the Utami matches, but considering like what the people are saying about her, like I think she's probably the, the right number one. That's just based on like technical ability. But, like, overall, like, you know, Bianca has a huge influence right now. You know, maybe on the internet wrestling fans won't be too fond of Bianca. But, you know, in-person fans, you know, they love cheering for her when she comes out. So, when I saw this list, I was pissed. Only in the sense where I saw six with Sasha Banks. And Bianca Blair being number one, I got no problem with that. But what are they considering? They starting from October 1, 2020. So, let's think about in WWE's viewpoint, right? Sasha Banks won the championship against Bailey. She had the whole double championship run, but that's not counting since we're going to October, right? But she won the championship with the Hell in the Cell. She was a champion. She faced Carmella a few times, I think three times, right? She also faced, she faced Nia Jax. I mean, she hasn't, I could understand she hasn't faced too much, but she hold that title for a really long time. And then WWE, you know, then they had her, them teaming up, her and and Bianca. They continued that trend and and then they ended up, you know, the Royal Rumble, she won. She challenged at WrestleMania. She beat him. But I think Sasha was holding the title for 144 days. And I think that's a big thing. I think Bianca hold the title for about 100 plus days, if I'm correct. But what they're considering, if you're going to consider the whole run, I think Sasha Banks is not number one because she did miss a lot of time. After WrestleMania, she was out. She came back before the SummerSlam pay-per-view. Then she, uh, unfortunate situations happened. She was out again and she came back in Extreme Rules. So because of that, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to put, I know... I'm, people might think, oh, you know, I'm a WWE fanboy. I mean, my friend Danny's been telling me all the time. But I'm going to get Britt Baker number one. And I think it's because 
as you were telling Fernando, she was a champion for that long. She still is. She's had great matches. I mean, the match about, uh, I don't think that's considered the Ruby Soho match, right? Or, or is that one considered in September? Um, it should be. You know, yeah, that's a good question. It, it should be. But because yeah, when did they September wrestle? 30th, right? September yeah. 30th. So when did they wrestle Ruby Soho? I believe they... It had to be in September. It was super recent. It was, it was a month ago. I think it was at their pay-per-view, or was it at the Grand Slam? It wasn't one of these pay-per-views that they had. Let me check. I think it was Grand Slam. Yep, it was Grand Slam. My friend Danny's probably going to be shocked when I say, but I'm going to give Britt Baker number one. I think she deserves it. I think I would have gave Sasha number one, but her missing time, I'm taking that into consideration. And then I'm going to say number two and three, I'm going to leave as is, right? Like you were telling me, it's hard for me. These two wrestlers were also available the whole time, correct? Yes. So I'm going to give Sasha Banks number four, and I'm going to give Thunder Rose five. I think that's my list. I'm going to say number one is Britt Baker. Number two is Utima. Number three is Diona. Number four is Sasha Banks. Number five is Thunder Rose. And I'll say Bianca Blair six. The only reason I'm saying Blair, I'm really high on Blair, but I think we got to consider all the factors. I think to put Bianca Blair over Britt Baker could be somewhat disrespectful in a sense because Britt Baker's been so dominant. Yes, Bianca Blair's had a great run. She's won the Royal Rumble. She's main event at WrestleMania. I think that's took into factor that big main event that she had um, making history. Two black women making history. So that's a special moment. But at the end of the day, I think we've got to consider all the factors. That's my list. I think you got to show love to Britt Baker. She's number one. She's the best wrestler right now. That's interesting to hear. I, was, I wasn't expecting to hear that one. <laughs> I, I would have said Sasha because I personally, if you ask me right now who the best, I still believe Sasha's the best, right? But we're talking about current. Sasha Banks was gone for a time. She was gone for multiple months. And that time, Britt Baker was shining. Her promo skills are great. She's a great heel. She's over with the fans. DMD. I've heard it all the time. She's over. I got to give her credit. I can't, you know, as a WWE fan, but I can't just be like, you know, I got to, I'm an honest person. And I'm going to say Britt Baker is number one. If Shasta Banks was available the whole time she never left, I would have said she's number one, no question. But since she wasn't, Britt Baker's a definitive number one. Wow. And I know you wasn't expecting that, but I got to be honest here. Like, she's number one, and you got to give her credit. She's been available. I think also we got to look at availability, right? Like, were they there the whole time? How much time did they miss? Because Sasha missed a good amount of time after WrestleMania. No, definitely you're right. Because as I was saying, like, I mean... Utami, Diana, Britt, they've been holding on to their championships for a while. They've been dominant champions. So, like, they definitely, you know, I think you're right, actually. I didn't even consider that. I think Britt Baker does deserve a bit more respect and does deserve a little bit of a higher ranking because she has been, she's been there the whole time. And, you know, never has she been stale as champion. She's always been exciting to watch. Agrees. Joshua, let's move on to the next topic. Okay. On the WWE, on October 15th, the episode of SmackDown was two and a half hours long. The last 30 minutes was commercial-free and aired on FS1 instead of Fox because an MLB game, a playoff game, was on at the time. The final 30 minutes of the show directly competed with AW Rampage, which was live instead of being taped. Also, according to Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics, WWE SmackDown won the overall viewership head-to-head, scoring 878,000 viewers, compared to Rampage's 602,000 viewers. However, according to PW Torch, in the 18-49 to demographic, Rampage beat WWE SmackDown 328,000 to 285,000. Rampage led with Punk Match SmackDown, and SmackDown featured Becky, Sasha, and Lesnar. What are your reactions to this? And are you surprised that AEW won the 30 minutes 18 to 49 demographic head to head, even though WWE had a stack card? I would say 
you know, I wasn't too surprised because SmackDown was on FS1. So they weren't on the Fox, like, main network, Channel 5. And I think being on Fox, like, a national television show is kind of unbeatable. It's very difficult. So, you know, them being on FS1, which is, like, their secondary, like, sports channel, you know, maybe not as much people watch it, would make sense. But, um, you know, AW1, the 18 to 49 demo, by a mere .02, so it's a very small victory. But it's one that AW cares about because, um, you know, I think something, like, important to point out about um, AW and WWE is that WWE is, like, a television product, but it also has, like, a touring aspect to it, like, you know, as a company. Well, like, AW is just strictly, like, a wrestling TV product. And so I can see, like, why, um, you know, AW is very excited to win. But, you know, in a regular matchup against SmackDown with an extra 30 minutes and, like, the, the card that SmackDown put on, it's, it's unbeatable. So, you know, good job for AW, but WWE in the future should, um, you know, it won't happen again. You know, my thoughts on this first, not trying to be biased here, but SmackDown was on FS1. They did lose a lot of views due to that. If they're on their normal Fox channel, they get above 2 million views every week since Roman Reigns returned. Um, they did win the overall head-to-head viewership, 878,000 to 602,000. But as you were telling me, Fernando, you said that it seems very important in these when these products are produced for AWWD is the 18 to 49 demographics. They seem as very one of the most important things, right? So you see who's number one. Am I correct? Yes. So in that case, I'm going to say... I was shocked. I'm going to be honest with you. I was super shocked that they won even any of these aspects. I thought, I remember when Tony Khan made that tweet, he was like, oh, I can't wait to beat your main show. I was laughing. I'm like, what kind of, what, what is he doing? Are you, are you, I was like, remember we were talking about, I was like, hey, this is ridiculous. Like, how can he say? <laughs> you were so we were, mad, bro. bro we, were, we were literally laughing. I was like, bro, this is a joke. Why would you say that? Like, you cannot beat SmackDown. And he shut me up. In viewership, there was no shot of them winning. I think we all know that. But I think, I guess when he was talking about, he was talking specifically in that demographic, right? Yeah. So in that case, but but still, when Tony Khan made that tweet, I'm going to tell you right now, I was like, what? I was pissed. I was like, yo, you know what? This is getting me tight. I'm like, why would he say that, bro? You know you can't beat SmackDown. And then when you looked at the card that SmackDown put, Sasha, Becky, that was in that 30 minutes. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman. You, you telling me they put that card in the 30 minutes that AEW put, they put CM Punk. It was Matt Seidel, right? Yes. And, and then they also had, I think, was it Anna, Anna J and Ruby Soho? Um, yeah, Anna J, yes. Anna, the, bunny. Anna, the bunny. It was against Ruby Soho, right? Yes. Okay, so if you looked at that card, no disrespect to any wrestlers, if you look at the four that SmackDown put their superstars on, Roman Reigns, he's a megastar, Sasha's a megastar, Becky's a megastar, Brock is a megastar. And the other side, you can argue CM Punk is a megastar. The other three are future stars in the, in the makings. Right. Yep. So the fact that they won is shocking because WWE stacked the deck completely. It's stacked. You would think they had no shot. 18 to 49. It shouldn't even be close. They lost. Meaning it was a close battle, but they lost. I thought they would win big time. No problems. And you're telling me they lost. I'm still shocked to this day. And my friend Danny got the last laugh. He was blowing up my phone. He was putting on Insta. He was texting me on Insta. All social media is like, look at this AEW. And I couldn't say anything. I had no words. So I'm going to be honest with you for now. I was shocked. I was flaming Tony Khan. I'm like, what is he saying? But at the end of the day, Tony Khan, you shut me up. You said he was going to do it. You did it. They care about 18 to 49. That's the most important thing. They beat him in it. To me, I'm not comparing the overall viewership that SmackDown won overall in the two hours, as expected. 
but we got to compare only the 30 minutes. Only, right? Because that's when they went head to head. They beat them. And you're telling me they put Brock Lesnar and they lost? That's that's crazy. I still don't believe it. It's insane. Ruby Soho and Anna Jay drew more than Brock Lesnar. Like, very insane. I would never think that Brock Lesnar has dominated UFC. He's not even famous in WWE. He's famous in UFC. He's been the most dominant UFC person, right? He's very dominant. Then he comes back to WWE. He's dominant. No disrespect to Ruby Soho and Anna Jay. Great wrestlers. But Brock Lesnar is very, he's very well known. So it's very interesting that that they... That the, I'm still shocked. Like, bro, I was out here flaming Tony Khan. <laughs> yeah, and and let's let's talk about Tony Khan because I feel like that's someone we've been wanting to talk about a bunch. Um, I would say love Tony, love AW, but he's definitely very cocky. Like in the past, um, like his yeah. past pay per views, like even like after like the first one, like AW All Out, like probably their first one. Like I remember him saying, like this is the best pay per view of all time. Like yeah, after I it think, finished. I think that's the time he speaks out of context. Like you're telling me that's the best pay-per-view all time. I mean, that's better than John Cena versus The Rock. You're telling me like it's better than Undertaker versus Shawn Michael. They still can't touch levels to what exactly, exactly. past. They can't. Present, yes, possibly. They have stars now. They can do a, a Kenny Omega versus CM Punk match. They have that talent. But past, no. I think Tony Khan has shown that cockiness in a sense. Like I don't like the arrogance, but he did it with the, I can't wait to beat the head-to-head battle. And I was pissed when he said it, but he proved me wrong. And the main thing that both TV networks care about, AW beat them. So um, looking at it, Tony Khan definitely cocky. But at the end of the day, you know, I started to think about it. It's like, it's a good thing to have competition. WWE does real have competition. They think they're, the AW is just going to dry out. It's not happening. They they look unstoppable. But right now, what AW has over WWE is AW's young talent. If you're a young superstar, go to AW. Because their young talent is better developed there. No offense. WWE is good at it in the past, but right now, AEW is on fire. When it comes to young talent, for WWE, a lot of people say Goldberg, Brock Lesnar. They rely on the part-timers. And they do. They do. When they put that match card of... um, Or for Friday's Rampage. Yeah, like I looked at that match card. I was like, if they want to beat WWE, why would they put a match card like that? I would think they would want to stack the deck. They said, now we feel comfortable with our product. And they proved us wrong. Yeah. Like they didn't put no CM Punk Omega Dan. They didn't put no crate like match. They put their normal match. It seemed like WWE stacked the deck and they still lost. Exactly. Think about it. I'm very pissed about the women's division, right? Sorry, we're going off topic here, but you know how WWE has been handling the women's division currently, right? How bad it is. Only the main stars, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Bianca Blair, and Becky Lynch are getting a lot of time, but the mid card, not. AEW, everybody gets time. That's one thing I like about AEW. Ruby Soho, you saw the match that she had. She never had the opportunity in WWE, right? Exactly. So that's the difference. And I think right now, when it comes to young talent, AEW thrives. But when it comes to still the money-making match, WWE has the trigger with them part-time. They want to bring back The Rock and Reigns. That's a big money-making match. It is. But I'm going to be honest. I'm super shocked. I mean, I was, like I said, I was really upset. We were talking. I was laughing. Like, why would Tony Khan say this? He shut me up. I can't say nothing much. He has the arrogance. But at the end of the day, he believes in his product. But sometimes he does. I believe he passes overboard. I think he even says CM Punk is the best. And I know this respect CM Punk is super over, right? He's a top wrestler, but we can't say he's better than Reigns or Omega, right? He just came back. Exactly. He definitely sometimes says things that I feel like he, is that arrogance, cockiness, but at the end of the day, I mean, when it comes to young talent, I really respect AEW. Remember that Lucha Bros and the and Young Bucks match, the Steel Cage? What a match. That Incredible. Was so, no, yeah, and I think he said something important. Like, Tony trusts his product, which is a really good thing, which is like when he says all these things about like best pay-per-view ever, I'm like, okay, like, I can't blame you. Like, you trust your product. Like, I'm happy for you. 
But and he doesn't change. It's like, oh, even though we did 30 minute head to head, he's not like, oh, let me put CM Punk versus May. Let me do something big. He's he left the car the same. I feel like WWE stacked it on purpose, but they still lost. So that's an interesting thing. They don't change anything. They they just worried about their product, which I respect. Yeah, I respect it. But I'll be honest, very shocking. Very surprised. AEW did it. Let's see how it continues. It's nice to see head-to-head battle. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a WWE fan. AEW, if they get the Fiend, they might they might win me over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the last topic, Josh. All right. On a topic, Sigs, what were your crown jewel reactions, and what would you rate the matches? I mean, grade the matches. Overall, I would rate the pay-per-view a 7.5 out of 10. And I think it's because I feel like personally, when I was watching, if I would say what was one of the best, Edge and Rollins I've been hearing, you know, it was one of the best matches. It was the kickoff match, and they went full 30 minutes, and we saw a side of Edge. I think he hit the curve stomp. Um, it was it was a really great match. Great story. You see Edge, he's about to turn 48, I believe, and his story coming back and being able to wrestle this long, his durability, and Seth Rollins is the most underrated wrestler. I mean, whatever show he's a part of, he he's dominant. He's a great face. He's a great heel. I mean, his heel run is very underrated. So that was one of, I think, my favorite moments, uh, one of my favorite moments. But I'm not going to lie, the Queen's Crown Tournament, we've been both talking. I've been very pissed at how they've been handling it. Two, three-minute matches, very little. I wanted Liv Morgan to win, and that didn't happen. Zelina Vega win, I'm not mad at that. Actually, I'm happy for that. I, I like that decision they made. Dewdrop is great too. I think she's a, she has potential, but I think giving Zelina Vega the crown made the most sense. But I personally should have been, I could have been Liv Morgan, like Shayna Baszler lost and Natalia lost. Like Natalia's a legend. You know, they sometimes just like, I think seen in AEW, like it seems like AEW respects legends when it comes to wrestling more than uh, WWE. Not all the time, but in some cases, but I like the Biggie versus Drew McIntyre match was really good. You know, Drew McIntyre, uh, Biggie hit the finishing move. He kicked out Drew McIntyre, hit the Claymore. Never really seen that happen. Somebody kicking out the Claymore. He did. Match was great. But the Roman versus Brock, I mean, that was a big hype match. Um, and, and it was really, I'm going to be honest, I was really upset with the match. It made To me, it made look Roman look like a weak champion, which Roman never looks like. It was really bad. So overall, um, I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10. There's some things I didn't like, some things I did. Um, uh, Queen's Crown Tournament when it, uh, the mid card is being treated like trash right now in the WWE the, the main card is not you know with the women Sasha, Becky, Bianca, Charlotte they're being treated correctly given the time but I think they need to give mid, mid card more time young talent more time the main event it had the big hype it could have been a 30 minute match and, and it was so different I don't know what Paul Heyman did at the end I was so confused but yeah I'm not gonna lie this is the main event and the Queen's Crown Tournament were the two like I just was really upset the way it ended yeah, I would say a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10. I would say, though, it was still really good. I mean, like, you know. The crowd had, was great over there, yeah. The crowd was awesome, and they had a lot of big matches. Like, usually, like, in the past, people didn't really pay attention to, like, Crown Jewel, I feel like, or it wasn't taken yeah, as seriously. I, I think they sent a WrestleMania-worthy. Um, yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, they got the return of Brock Lesnar. That was they had big. A, they had he, Big E man. versus Drew McIntyre, which is... I mean, that's awesome, bro. Like, I, And it was a great match. I didn't get to see it, but I heard it was a great match. Yeah, definitely. That was. You actually saw the match. You said it was great, and I believe yeah, you. Yeah, great. And, and they, <laughs> and they yeah. also had the King of the Ring tournament final, um, Queen's Crown tournament final. Obviously, we know Queen's Crown wasn't being treated as seriously, but they still put the final there. You know what I mean? 
So and I'm happy about that, but I just I'm just upset with the how the mid card is being treated. Like how bad Liv Morgan. It seems like oh you're gonna push him, and then he's like nah, let me change my mind. With, with AEW, you know, it's like sorry bringing this up. They just continue to push right with WWE. There's like it's like oh Liv Morgan's gonna push. Nah, she's been on back of the line. Like that's the bad thing right now. WWE. It's just like they always change their mind. Exactly. Carmella got her shine, and I heard even Carmella when she her broke her character, and she said like you know Liv Morgan like deserves it. She basically said that I believe, and. Liv Morgan to lose in one minute 40, and she lost clean. If you ask me, I wanted Liv Morgan to win, and I had, on the men's side, I think I picked Xavier to win, and he did win, which was really great, but obviously some people wanted Finn to win, but I'm happy for Xavier. The matches and everything were great, um, but the only thing that I was mad about, the Queen Crown Tournament in general, I'm happy they crowned a, a queen, but it felt like it was underappreciated. Uh, the triple threat match was pretty good. The ending was pretty bad, like, honestly. They ended yeah, the like ending was pretty bad for the triple threat the, the Brock, match. I agree. The Brock Lesnar match ending, I didn't like. I didn't like the the triple threat ending. Um, oh, oh, I forgot about the main thing. I'm I'm, I'm just <laughs> sick of oh Goldberg. yeah. I'm sick of this, bro. Like you're telling me Goldberg comes in, Bobby Lashley, the Almighty. He had he was holding the title for 195 days. He's very dominant. He looks protected in the sense where he doesn't lose. When he when he faces you, he's he's like Brock Lesnar. He destroys you. I remember that match with Kofi Kingston, Money in the Bank. Kofi Kingston didn't even get to like throw one punch. And you're telling me Goldberg comes in, he spears him, Jack Hammer spears him, and he beats him. And Bobby Lashley looks like he can't even fight with Bo- Goldberg. Goldberg is great. I just think it's ridiculous. They've done it before. They've ruined the fiend by putting Goldberg and letting him win the title. Why? And they did it with Goldberg won the title before too when he came back. It just I don't understand. So you're bearing Bobby for Goldberg, who's probably not going to come back. Like, I don't understand. Oh, so Goldberg gets the happy ending. It doesn't make sense. Why can't Bobby? So the heel doesn't win. Goldberg always wins. That's just ridiculous. Like, Bobby needs to be protected. But honestly, what should have happened is Bobby Lashley should have destroyed him. I, they were, I was rumors that his son was going to be a part of it, but he wasn't. But Bobby Lashley should have destroyed Goldberg. That's what should have happened. It should have. And Goldberg should have not even been there. And I think we both just know that. Like, we don't need, like, part-timers anymore. Same thing could be said with Lesnar. But, you know, it was exciting to see Lesnar return after 18 months. Yeah, I think it's different. Lesnar still has that, like... Goldberg is still very over with the fans. But, like, Brock is, like... He's a different specimen. I think what's it with Pat... McAfee. McAfee. Yeah, McAfee. He said, the alpha man of our species. Man, he's, first of all, he's, he's Karen Smackdown with his commentary. His commentary he's so good, bro. And he's not even trained for that. Like, I think he used to be a football player or something like that. Michael Cole is good. He's always the one to introduce. But, man, Pat, when he came, bro, Smackdown even got even better when he came. Because his skills, like, the alpha man, he's like Brock Lesnar. Eight Brock Lesnar, the biggest Brock Lesnar. I'm like, yo, this is just great commentary. Then when Rick Books come out, he out here dancing. And then he comes on national television. He's like, yo, like. I think the, the table broke against Roman and Montez four match. He's like, yo, I think my fat a beep like broke it. <laughs> He's just like, super funny. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. off topic, but I just was so upset. Like, honestly, I know I gave it 7.5 just in general, like true versus biggie match was good. RK bro versus, you know, that was okay. You know, I'm sick of the repetition that we've seen, you know? Um, and I, you know how I feel about AJ Styles and Omos just being paired together. Um, crowning Xavier. I like that match. You gave the fans what they wanted. Can you give the fans what they want in the women's league? Can you give us a Liv Morgan push? It's ridiculous. But anyways, so I was upset with multiple things. The, the ending of the Roman Brock, um, the Becky, Sasha, Bianca match was great. Bianca picked her up with one hand, Sasha. That was pretty cool. But 
the ending, like the way they ended it was bad. Bobby and Goldberg, that was just, the, I just hated that match personally. I mean, happy for Goldberg, but you just come up, why? You're going to bury Bobby like that? Goldberg destroyed him. Um, at the end of the day, I did like Zelina and do drop match. It was still good. It was short, but it was good. Zelina Vega won. I thought maybe Zelina Vega won. It was going to be by interference, but Zelina Vega won clean. So it was a great match. I'm happy that they have a, a first crown, and that's a special moment in WWE. We got a crown of a queen, and it's Zelina Vega. It's not Charlotte. It's not Sasha. It's not Becky. It's not the main card. It's a mid card. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say, like, my 6.5 is just, like, on paper, like, you know, this card the, the match looked, this card looked pretty good. good. Yeah, execution like, like nah, okay yeah. like decent so like that's what makes it a 6.5 yeah, or the 7 matches in general like are good right but like the execution like you're saying is really it wasn't the best like those three matches brock and roman and then you have the triple threat for the women's championship sasha becky bianca um and then you know the other matches had some good endings it was good pins but those two matches had some the endings were really weird. Roman does never looks like a weak champion. That's what he looked like. And and that's not a good look. He's a heel. He should look dominant. But it should have been, I think the Roman Brock should have went like 30-minute fight, you know, multiple suplexes, you know, multiple F5s, multiple spears, Superman punch. Maybe what would make Roman look good if he if he passed out Brock. He hit the guillotine and, and Brock straight up passed out. It should have been a clean match, but they clearly want to continue the feud, which a lot of people don't want. But in general, I think they should have a match. And Roman beats him. Like, the match goes 30 minutes. You know, Brock takes him to the limit. But Roman, just like he did with Cena, he's just too much. That's what should happen. Yes. Roman needs to win in dominant fashion. And I thought he was going to. It it seemed like it was about to end, like, quickly with the guillotine, like, in in this match. And it didn't. Interesting. But personally, Crown Jewel, great pay-per-view. But there's still, WWE needs to make a lot of improvements. And first, the biggest proof is with the mid-card of the women's division. Yep. All right, so Josh, let's go on to the last one. Oh, yeah. On October 15th, it was a super-sized SmackDown and also AW Rampage. On October 17th, it was AW Dynamite. On October 18th, it was Monday Night Raw. And on the 19th, it was NXT 2.0. How would you rank all these shows from best to worst? All right, Fernando, you got the floor. All right, NXT 2.0 at the bottom. And then Raw... After that, and that's crazy because Raw isn't even that good. <laughs> that's that, yeah, you're just speaking facts right now. <laughs> so Raw, Raw's at four, and then here we got like a really good like these top three are hard to say, but I'll put SmackDown just because I mean like those last thirty minutes were all right, but everything before that was like not as memorable or entertaining. And then wait, no, actually, you know, it's a toss up really between the Dynamite and the and the SmackDown. I'll tie those for two and three. I really don't know which ones to choose. But I would say, I mean, like, Rampage wins overall. Like, you know, Rampage is just the talk. This Rampage is number one just because that's what everyone's talking about because, you know, that's where AW won. All right. So I'm going to have to disagree with this list. I'm going to start with the worst. I got NXT at the bottom. I got Raw at number four. Um, And it's, uh, it's because right now, Raw, you know, we're going to see the draft come into play very soon, right? Raw is stacked now, you know, but for some reason, still at that time, it's like, okay, it starts off good, Charlotte, Bianca, the ending was good, but in the middle, not so well, right? Like, it, Raw, for some reason, it's just like, it keeps on sinking. Like, it's just, it's not getting popped. That's why I put at four. At three, I put Rampage at three. I think it's because that is a one-hour show. That is not their main show. They had a, that was a great show. But personally, I put it at three. Dynamite, I put at two. 
Number one, I put Super Size SmackDown. So the reason for my list, Super Down SmackDown, I mean, we got to see Sasha and Becky battle a lot. We got to see, you know, Finn Balor faced, who did he face? I think he faced, to, to get to the finals. Was it Sami Zayn? I think it was Sami Zayn. It uh, might have been. That would make yeah, sense. Because yeah. Sami Zayn um, won his first round match. Yeah. We were expecting Naomi versus Sonya Deville, but, you know, that that turned completely. Um, in general, like, I enjoyed SmackDown, like, the whole show in general. I think it was really good. You know, of course, how I feel about the, the Queen's Crown tournament, the small matches. Um, but that's my ranking. I think why I chose one, my rankings, I think Super Die SmackDown was great. I mean, the ending was... In my opinion, I thought they would win, but I know they lost. But according to me, I just, it's not biased, but I really think what the, the card that they put was really good. And I know my being too, to me, makes sense. I mean, they put a great card, three AEW Rampage. I'm putting like basically the only show that's above AEW Rampage and Dynamite right now is SmackDown. Raw and NXT doesn't touch Dynamite and Rampage right now. The way they're producing it, it doesn't touch it. So right now, WWE has one show that is carrying them over those two shows because AEW is very close. True. And I know as, as a WWE fanboy, it's hard for me to say that, but I got to be honest. AEW um, <laughs> so is like, AEW is coming. But personally, I know we have a disagreement here, but I, I do believe SmackDown's won. And yeah, that's mine. But I want to, before we end this, I want to ask a, a little surprise question to you. So sure. Roman Reigns, who do you think should be the one to dethrone him? Who should dethrone Roman Reigns? Yeah, because you could argue, I don't think it should be any part-time. It shouldn't be Brock. It shouldn't be The Rock, even if he comes back. Like, but who should dethrone him? If you had to pick a star, because in my, in my opinion, I can only see Big E do it right now or Drew. But it's not like I don't really I can't really say more than that. I think one of those two at the moment. I would say that I really want to see WWE properly build up Keith Lee, who is currently I think now he's Bearcat. I'm not sure. Like, I know they yeah, changed his name. I think they're trying to make him a heel. So, it's like, I don't know. WWE's doing but it. But it would be, wouldn't it be really cool? I mean, Keith Lee's, I mean, like, just like the body that Keith Lee has on him for a heel. And then having Roman also be a heel. And just like these two super, like, evil big guys fight each other. That's seems, true. But the, the seems one thing really I good to yeah. me. I, the one thing I, I've known in wrestling, they always do face versus heel. I wish they do heel versus heel. They don't have to change anybody. I would enjoy that. Like, if you give me, like, The Fiend versus Roman, they're both heels, right? Or, like, you give me... Rollins versus Reigns, that's a potential matchup. You know what I'm saying? Like, True. And heels, like, I hope they don't have to change them. The one thing I, I dislike, you know, why, it's always face versus heel. Why can't we see? So we see face versus face, but we never see heel versus heel. It's very rare. Yeah, and we need it, to be honest. Yeah. But that's my opinion. How about Big E? Who, who should dethrone him? Right now, probably nobody, right? Probably nobody. And if anything, my second option would have been Big E over Roman. But that's just like hard because you know they're both champions. But if if Biggie was like a double champion, that that'd be insane. It'd be so cool. Yeah. How about Becky? Who should dethrone Becky? Who should dethrone Becky? Hmm. You want me to tell you mine? Sure. Liv Morgan. Yeah. Or Bianca. Because they're sense. both on the they're all in the same. But I really want Liv Morgan to win a champ. They should have. In my opinion, I wanted her to win the Money in the Bank. But I'm not mad at Nikki Ash winning. But they gave her a small reign. But Liv Morgan was so over. You gotta listen to your fans. Stephanie McMahon said it. They're not listening. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie McMahon, who says they listen to the fans, but they really don't. Yeah, so, facts. The it's just like the whole authority thing. Like, um, you know, when it was like Triple H, Stephanie, Vince, and Shane. And like, I remember one day, like, I mean, this was like a, a raw four years ago. Like, they came and they said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna listen to the fans now." Blah blah. 
And everyone was just like, bro, you're joking. Like, you're literally lying to my face right now. I know you're not going to listen to us. Uh, But personally, when I'm um, watching, right, like that, like, so that's my opinion, right? Liv Morgan or Bianca. How about for the SmackDown, Charlotte Flair? Hmm. I would say Sasha probably. That's the only person right now because the rosters are completely changed. Who's on SmackDown now? I mean, I believe Tony Storm is on there. But right now, it seems like only Sasha would. They got to build more stars. We got to see more young stars being built. I would only say Sasha. That's my opinion on that. Yeah, I actually don't remember the the new uh, SmackDown women's roster. Yeah, because majority of them, like the main Becky, Bianca, they're both on Raw. Liv Morgan's on Raw. Carmelo's on Raw. Natalia's on SmackDown. Um, it, it, the roster's completely changed. So I guess we got to look into that. Then how about Britt Baker, Kenny Omega? Who should be throwing them? Britt Baker, definitely Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is someone like all the fans are really into right now. Or, or Ruby Soho for real. I know she Ruby lost, but yeah, she's she's a yeah. really good wrestler. I think got. I think Ruby though just got there, and Thunder has been there for like a year now. So like Thunder just deserves it just a bit more. But Ruby is really over with the fans, and if like Ruby puts on another really good match, like on, because Ruby's putting on these good matches just like on TV, you know. And if she puts on another good one on TV, the fans might just like they might just go crazy. Yeah. So if I was gonna pick, you know, for for Britt Baker, for me it's Ruby Soa. For Kenny Omega, Hangman. Is it Adam Page? Yeah, Hangman Adam Page. Yeah. So he could be thrown because you know a lot of them. You know, you could argue. I mean, to be honest, I want to see an MJF title reign. I want to see that. So if another person, I want MJF to win a title. Yeah. I'm really a big fan of him. I think his 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 skills as a heel. He's like. If, if we're talking about who's like the, one of the best heels, he's one of them. It just and his wrestling skills are great, but he's just talking on the mic, man. He comes to every show, he violates every city he goes to, he violates every person. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree completely. I think AW's like roster is super stacked, and I think I think they're not even using it properly. I think they could just put on, they could literally just put like their wrestlers, like all the li- the list of wrestlers they have, like in a random generator, and just put random matches, and like they, they would all be good. If they did, like, to me, a, a match, like, you know how, like, WWE does Elimination Chamber, right? Yeah. Like, let's say if they did it, like, a six-man, let's say it's Kenny Omega, right? Let's say they combine it, put the TNT Championship as well on the line, right? They do, let's say they do Kenny Omega versus John Moxley versus CM Punk versus Brian Danielson versus um, Adam Page versus, um, uh, who's the Did one you say Cole? Adam, Adam Page versus MJF. Okay. So those six, like if they did that kind of match, that's crazy. And I'm not even including, I know Sammy Guerrero is the TNT championship. I'm making the assumption maybe he's not with the title anymore, you know, in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. But they have they have a lot of dream matches they can do. But probably for Kenny Omega, I would say MJF. I really want to see MJF have a title ring. Yeah, I would say he, Hangman. He needs it. He's been, Hangman's yeah, been Hangman waiting too. for it for a while. Yeah, I'm but, not mad if people say Hangman too, but I just want to see MJF with a title. He needs it. His skills, you know, is, is, is so good. With the title, no. would even be better. His skills are amazing. I can't lie. Wherever they put MJF, AW, they'll do a good job. I know. I know that for sure. So I guess that, you know, Fernando, we appreciate having Josh, anything, last things you wanted to say, man? Sorry, we ain't trying to, you know, <laughs> keep you silent. <laughs> no, no, that's good, that's good. So, you know, that was our, this is episode, you know, eight. We have a special appreciate, Fernando, you coming yeah, on. Is have a blast to have you. We definitely going to have you again when it comes to one of these big pay-per-views coming up. Bro, I appreciate it, man. It was an honor. It was, this was awesome. Yeah, this is really cool. We had a, had a great time. Uh, uh, you know, this made it one of our biggest episodes yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, having a special guest, and we hope more to come. And we're definitely going to have you back, so we appreciate it. And uh, this concludes Episode 8. You know, you can follow us at the Straight Sports Podcast. 
and uh, appreciate the support and thank you everybody thank you for watching